three weeks and then, okay. We're talking to red letters. Now you can start taping me now because we won't put that others on the tape. That was just for what people that were here. We're going to look at the last days of Jesus' ministry upon the earth. The last days of his ministry upon the earth. And it be surprising, I think, to a lot of people, some of the things that he said that we have taught on over the many years, it takes on a different light when you look at it in the context of which he said it. Some of the, 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 the teachings that, that we've looked at over the years, he's taught a lot of these things in the last days of his life here upon the earth. And I think when you look at it in that light, it, 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 it sheds a different bit of a light on it. Now, six days before his crucifixion, he came into Bethany, which was a town near Jerusalem. And uh, on the Sunday before Resurrection Day is known as what? Does anybody know what that's called? Palm Sunday. And, and why is that? Does anybody know why that is? That's right. He made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And uh, this is what it's called, triumphant entry. And... Uh, he came in there humbly on a colt of a donkey, a foal of a donkey. Uh, Jesus was very humble. Now, see, they were expecting him to come riding in there on a white horse because that's how a king would come in is riding on a white horse. Now, he's going to ride in there on a white horse next time. But the first time he came in humbly and that was prophesied by Zechariah. And he came into the city and the city was moved and said, who is this? And it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, you know. And, and uh, many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down the palm branches and so on. And, and they spread them out on the road. And look at Luke 19.37. He was now drawing near 19.37. Luke 19.37. He was drawing near the, the descent of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. For all the mighty works they had seen. And they, they cry out and they say, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. The Pharisees. Religious leaders. You've got to watch those guys. They called to him from the crowd. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent... The stones would immediately cry out. Now, would the stones have immediately cried out? Would they? Jesus said they would. I don't know about you, but I don't want to let a dead old rock outpraise me. How about you? I said, I don't want to let a dead old rock outpraise me. Now, you need to take a look at yourself and ask yourself, do you have more praise about you than a dead old stone? I've seen a lot of Christians over the years, they don't have any more praise about them than a dead old stone. I tell you what, we need to have praise about us. There needs to be a skip in our step and a glide in our stride. Did you, did you hear what I just said? Why? Why? Because we got Jesus on the inside. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. So so uh, they're praising him and going on and uh, so on and so forth. And then, of course, he weeps over Jerusalem. You know, God wanted to do so much more with them and they just wouldn't let him. You know that? And it's still to this day. He wants to do so much more. Now, eventually, all Israel will be saved. Is that right? But even to this day, he wants to do so much more with him than, than what they let him do. But he goes into Jerusalem. He goes into the temple and he looks around. 
and it was late. And he returns to Bethany with his 12 disciples. Now, that was Palm Sunday. Now, on Monday morning, he goes back in to Jerusalem. And he's hungry. And he sees a fig tree. And he goes over to it. And it didn't have fruit on it. Does anybody remember what he did to that tree? He cursed it. He said, no man eat fruit of thee again hereafter forever. Is that right? And his disciples saw it. And then Jesus goes right on his way. He goes back into Jerusalem, into the temple, and he drives out the money changers. He drives out the money changers. How many remembers that? He drives. And you need to realize there was two times that he did this. Two times. First time was at the beginning of his ministry, and the second time was right near the here at the, near the end of his earthly ministry. Uh, lesson we learn is that. See, he went in there the first time and saw that it had been corrupted. And so he cleans it out. But then he went out, you know, in, in, into the other towns and whatnot over the next three and a half years, give or take. When he comes back there, he notes that it's, because he went and looked around, he noted that it was, it was corrupt again, wasn't it? Cleaned it out a second time. What lesson do we learn? The temple without the presence of the Lord becomes corrupt. The temple without the presence of the Lord becomes corrupt. If you're taking notes, that'd be worth writing down. The temple without the Lord becomes corrupt. See, when the presence of the Lord is not there, things will become corrupt. And uh, things will become man-centered instead of God-centered. Things will become money-centered instead of God-centered. Did you hear what I just said? You don't want to hang around a ministry that's talking about money all the time. Or that's putting overemphasis on it. Is that right? How many of you know we need money? We need money to operate. We need money in a ministry. Is that right? But you've got to watch where the emphasis is put. And if the presence of the Lord is upon a ministry, they'll mention money. They'll talk about it because it's scriptural to do it. But there won't be an overemphasis on it. There won't be an overemphasis on prosperity. Did you hear what I just said? I believe in prosperity, but, but there won't be an overemphasis. When there's an overemphasis on prosperity, that you can be assured of one thing. The presence of the Lord isn't, isn't upon it as it should be. Did you hear me? Now, having said that, he goes uh, in there in Matthew 21, 12. Matthew 21, 12. Notice this. Matthew 21, 12. He goes into the temple of God. He drives out all those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. I mean, do you know there is a severe side to the Lord, isn't there? There's, a, there's a, the goodness and the severity of God. And, uh, and he said to them, it's written, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. So he cleans it up. And then it's interesting, the blind and the lame come to him in the temple. He heals them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were happy and glad. Does it say that? No, it says they were indignant. They didn't like that. Isn't that sad? See, that's what religiosity will do to you. I mean, Jesus get people healed left and right. And those religious leaders, they'd get angry because he did it on the wrong day of the week. 
He'd heal somebody of, of, of being paralyzed and, and they were carrying their bed instead of them religious leaders. The religious leaders saying, whoa, whoa, glory to God, isn't that wonderful? No, they do. Why are, you, why are you carrying your bed? You're doing it on the wrong day of the week. Isn't that sad, them old sour, great people? My goodness gracious. Do you notice that Jesus was the real deal? You know how I know that? Because the little kids liked him. Those little kids can see through fakes and phonies. Do you know that? And they liked being around Jesus. They sure did. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, then notice, let's go to John 12. Now, he, he's there in the temple. He's just cleaned it out. We're looking. See, I've got to try to stay on the words of Jesus because that was his assignment for me this year is to stay on his words. So that's what we're going to endeavor to do. John 12, verse 24. Now, he had just cleaned out the temple. And he says, he says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much, much grain or much fruit. Now... You see, you can better understand why he says this, because, see, he's facing the cross, isn't he? Isn't he? And he's talking about, he says, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. You see, he's thinking about the cross there, isn't he? He's thinking about his death on the cross is going to produce a lot of sons and daughters of God. Is that right? And then he says, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You can do some soul searching into the midnight hours on that verse right there. If anyone uh, serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. Now you know why it was troubled, don't you? And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. What's he talking about? He's talking about the cross, isn't he? He says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. See, Jesus you know, uh, going back to, to, to my mother, I don't need to have a vision or an angelic appearance or be caught up to heaven to know that she's there. You know why, why that is? Because I got the word of God. Now, if God wanted to give me one, that'd be fine, but I don't need it. Why don't I need it? Because I've got the word of God. You know, I found that people are going to, you know, I'll say it this way. You know, I, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of any of the miracles or signs or wonders that he did. I believe on him because I believe on him because I believe on him because it's been revealed to me by God the Father that he's the son of the living God. So a lot of people saw those signs and wonders and miracles and still didn't believe. I don't need a sign, a wonder or a miracle. To know that he's the son of the living God. And I believe that's what true faith is. Jesus said, I didn't need that voice. It came for your sake. He said, verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. The ruler of this world will be cast out. He's talking about the devil going to be cast out. And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth. What's he talking about there? They're going up on the cross. I'll draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. Verse 37. 
But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Did you just see that right there? Don't let signs and wonders be the reason that you believe on him. Believe on him because of who he is. Thank God for the signs and the wonders. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be, might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who's believed our report? I always like to say right there, I do. Realize, say, I do if you do. Lord, who's believed our report? I do. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts. Turn to him that they, that he, and he'd heal him, you see. Now, you not need to know this. You need to know this, that these Israelites were blinded not as an action by God, but as a reaction. Not as an action by God, but as a reaction. God didn't blind them just because he's just, well, I'm going to blind them. If he did that, I wouldn't want to serve him because he's not fair. God blinded them as a reaction to their doubt and unbelief. Did you get what I just said? That's why Israel's been blinded. Not because God blinded them as an action, but as a what? As a reaction. See, now I'll serve a God like that. But I won't serve a God that blinds somebody just to blind them, just to blind them. Did you hear me? That's not fair. Didn't he stretch his hands out to Israel? He sure did. But they, they, sh- they, they shunned him, didn't they? And there's a remnant that hasn't. But... And so as a reaction, he's blinded them. Now, notice here in uh, John 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Isn't that sad? I know people that won't come to the Lord Jesus because they'd have to give up their friends. I'll tell you this much. Your friends can't keep you out of hell, but Jesus can. Now, who you want to run with? I've been running with Jesus since I've been a little boy. I hadn't been finding anybody else better to run with than him. I'm going to just keep running with him. And he's cost me some friendships over the years. But I tell you what, I'd rather have Jesus as my friend than anybody's ever walked away from me. Did you hear what I just said? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now, I'll tell you this much. You can't be a man of God and be concerned what people think. And then he cries out, verse 44. He who believes in me, believes in me, not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, and he who sees me, sees him who sent me. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about the Father. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. How many of you believe in him? I I do. So then you're not in darkness. Now, after he drives the money changers out and he shares these things, he goes back to Bethany for the night. Then he, and, and, and then notice in the morning, look here at, uh, go to Mark 11, verse 20. In the morning, as they passed by, they saw that what? What did they see? What did they see? This fig tree. Now, the day before he cursed it, didn't he? Didn't he? Now, they see the fig tree dried up from the what? From the roots. Remember when the power of God goes into something, when, 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 like, like, uh, like when a sickness is cursed or a disease is cursed, the power of God hits it at, the, the power of God always goes to the root of the matter. 
God does not deal with symptoms. He deals with roots and causes. Did you get what I just said? And you need to know that about the power of God. When he spoke to that tree, now there's one gospel account said that immediately, but it's really not immediately. Presently is really when God, when Jesus spoke to that tree, his power went to the roots of it and started to dry it up from the roots. But you see up here above ground, you couldn't see any difference. And there's a whole lot of people that when faith is released and you declare the word at something and you don't see any change of what's noticeable right away, people say, well, I guess it doesn't work. Well, did Jesus' word work on this tree? Yeah. Where did it start working? Did it start working on the branches or on the roots? Hit the roots, didn't it? In the morning, they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. See, when he spoke the word the day before, you would, there was nothing observable. And a lot of people, well, this faith stuff doesn't work. Well, it does, but it, it doesn't work on the branches. It works on the roots. That's where you want it working. Did you hear what he just said? And then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Peter was amazed, wasn't he? Now, they evidently went right back by that tree that same evening. The evening before. And evidently nothing had happened to it. Don't you think Peter would have said something the night before? It took 24 hours. I think 24 hours is pretty fast, don't you? But see, you've got to understand, we live here in America. We live in an instant. We live in a microwave society. We want to put the tea in and have it 15 seconds piping hot. Is that right? We want to turn TV on. And if it don't come on right now, it used to be them TVs years ago. You turn them on, you have to let them warm up a little bit. Is that right? Oh, yeah, we start kicking the thing now if it's not on. And I know I turn to turn to turn to satellite channels and sometimes there's a little delay and I get a little frustrated. You know, I remember we moved into our house and and we had to wait just a little bit for the for the hot water to make it down to us. And so we had we didn't like that. No, we want the hot water. We want hot water now. So we had the plumber come out and he he put in a, a little pump that. That get the water there, you know, circulate the hot water. And I remember he stood there that one day and he's putting that in and he didn't mean to say it, but just slipped out. But I'm kind of glad he said it. He said, he said, uh, he said, we spoiled Americans. And then he kind of because I'm the owner of the house and he's putting, you know, and he shouldn't have said that. But I need to hear it. I think the Lord might have been using him there because he didn't mean to say it. Have you ever said something you didn't mean to say? This guy, he, did, he said, we're, he's putting this thing in. He said, you, I said, yeah, I, just, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait five minutes to get to water down there. He said, we spoiled Americans. You know, some people don't have water at all. Is that right? Some people certainly don't have hot water. They don't have clean water. They don't have hot water. Is that right? We spoiled Americans. We ought to take a look at ourselves sometimes. Have you ever take, taken a good, long, hard look at yourself and don't see what you like? Or don't like what you see? What did you put in that water, Dale? I'm not... Maybe I'm just a little drunk on the Holy Ghost. I don't know. In, we want instant, don't we? Instant. And so we had instant hot water for a long time. And then all of a sudden a thing broke. And so now guess what? We've got to wait again. Poor old. So I didn't have him come fix it. I just, I just turn the water on. I go brush my teeth and come back. It's hot. Now don't sit there and look at me in that tone of voice. You know what I'm talking about. 
that right? We want instant. Everything's in. We are spoiled here in America. You need to realize that. I went preaching in Costa Rica and they're sitting on floors that they don't have no chairs. I've had people already crab and complain because uh, they didn't have they didn't have soft, soft chairs to sit on. Well, over in Costa Rica, you're going to be sitting on on dirt floors. And when you got to go to the bathroom, Pat, where's the bathroom? Well, it's a hole out there next to that tree. And I'm not kidding. We need to think about these things, dear friends. Is that right? Peter, remembering, said to him, verse 21, Rabbi, look, the tree which you cursed is withered away. Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. Real loud, say, say, have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. See, Jesus shared this. This is a, this is a, 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 a key teaching on faith. And he did it approximately five days before he died on the cross. Have faith in who? In God, for surely I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. How many of you believe that? Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. When do you believe you receive? When you pray. Not when you get the thing. When you pray, is that right? And when you pray, there's no physical manifestation. Is that correct? You believe you receive. This is how the kingdom of God operates. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. When? When you pray and you shall have them. Is that right? Go back to verse 23. Whosoever says to this mountain, do you have a mountain into your life? Well, start speaking to it. A lot of people try to climb it. A lot of people try to go around it. A lot of people try to ignore it. Don't ignore the mountain. It won't go away. It'll still be there in the morning. What does a faith person do? A person that pleases God. They say unto the mountain, be thou what? Removed and be thou Cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes that in his heart that those things which he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Is that right? I remember years ago, I heard a, a minister on television talking about this. He said, clean your conversation up. He said, get sickness and disease out of your conversation, out of your vocabulary. Now, I remember up to that time, I used to have chronic sore throats and chronic stomach aches. Just, just get into the, into the months of the cold months of the year. You just like clockwork. I'd start getting a strep throat, like swallowing uh, razor blades. And I'd go to the doctor a couple times a year to get the moxicillin and whatnot. And, and, and I heard him teach on that, and I just started, uh, uh, I stopped talking sickness and disease. Because he used to say, yep, well, here we come up on the cold season. I'm going to get the strep throat again. I'm going to get... I used to say that. I switched my vocabulary and I started believing the word of God. And start building my faith and start speaking words of healing and wholeness and soundness. I remember I used to have to put a heating pad on my stomach. It hurt. Year round, a couple times a year, I had to put a heating pad on. It hurt, it hurt, hurt. Stomach ache. I, 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 I changed my vocabulary. And instead of starting, instead of speaking sickness and disease, I, I was speaking health and healing. 
And in the process of time, just gradually, those things went away. And, and hardly, I haven't, I can't tell you last time I've had a stomach ache, it's been 40 years, praise God. Amen. Or more. Isn't that wonderful? And, and the sore throats just is very seldom, just very, almost never. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? We need to, we, you know, we think a lot of times that our vocabulary, cussing, how many you know cussing's not what God wants to hear? Is that right? But he doesn't want to hear doubt and unbelief either. And if you can get your, if you can order your conversation in line with the Word of God, how much better off we'd be? Is that right? Now you say what you want to about it, but it, 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 did Jesus say that whosoever say unto the mountain, "Be thou removed, be cast in the sea," does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says? Is that what he said? Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, you'll have them. Did he say that? And then verse 25 off gets overlooked. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, what? Forgive them. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't forgive them, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespass. Is forgiveness an important part of living for God and walking by faith? Yes. Forgiveness will hinder you. It'll hinder you. Now Jesus arrives back in Jerusalem and the rulers question his authority. And several parables are given. And uh, it would do you good to go in and read about the, the parables. Uh, particularly the one about the wicked vine dressers. And that one had to do with, for the sake of time, I'll just sum it up in my own words. Uh, did the Israelites, did God send them prophets? Yeah. What would they do to the prophets? They'd persecute them and kill them. Is that right? So then, of course... If God sent his son, they wouldn't do that to his son, would they? But they did, didn't they? And that's what the wicked vine dressers had, had, to, had to do with. And then Jesus is questioned about paying taxes. It's tax time, isn't it? Is it tax time here in the United States? Ever complain about paying your taxes? I'd be glad that you've got money to pay your taxes, is that right? I was crabbing one time to my accountant about having to pay taxes. He said, well, I'll take your income. I'll be glad to pay your taxes for you. Let's be glad that we've got income. Is that right? Let's be glad we've got the money to pay the taxes. I mean, we're going to have to pay them anyway. Why don't we just change our attitude and, 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 and not grumble and complain? What do you say? Yeah, but you don't know what they're using our tax money for. Well, let's just believe that they're using our tax money for the good stuff. What do you say? Because I don't agree with a lot of the way they use taxes. And I think, isn't it interesting that the taxes in this nation are probably higher than they've ever been, give or take, and the nation's still broke. Not only broke, but trillions of dollars in the hole. There's something wrong, isn't there, dear friends? I said there's something wrong. There's something bad wrong. Taxes so high and still not only broke, but trillions of dollars in the hole. There's a lot of money that gets spent that's frivolous and silly. Is that right? I'm just not going to pay my taxes. Well, then you're going to go to jail. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, I don't want to go to jail. They put me in jail. Judy Davis is going to bake one of her nice cakes and put a file in it. That one. <laughs> is that right? No, I'm tempting. We'll deliver it. Now, you're not going to eat it on the way, though, are you? Okay. Matthew twenty-two, twenty-one. 
I'm enjoying looking at Jesus' words. He's questioning. See, Jesus, well, let's look at this tax thing here. Matthew 22, 21. Notice what he said. They're questioning about paying taxes. And then Jesus says, look at verse 21. It says, red letters, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Well, pay your taxes and pay your tithes. Is that right? Well, we could go on and on. Did Jesus say that? And then he, they question about, about the resurrection. And they question about this. And they question about that. And they question about the other. And they question about the other. They wanted to know, you know, they were trying to trip Jesus up. They said a man got married and he had seven brothers and he, and he didn't, have, he didn't have, have a wife. Or he didn't have, Dale, what would you put in this water? My, he didn't have any children with the wife. And then, and he died, and then what, what happened? You remember the story, then the, the next brother all the way down, and then, they, then she died, never had any children, and then they said, in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? You remember them asking him that? And Jesus says to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. You know there's a lot of religious leaders don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. And the more I study the scriptures, the, the, the less I see that I know. Uh, be that as it may, I don't want to be mistaken. I want to know the scriptures. I want to know, know the power of God. But these religious people of his day did not. And it's really not that much different in our day. He says, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? In, in the resurrection, we're going to have glorified bodies. And in the resurrection, we're not, there's evidently not going to be sexual intercourse between, uh, uh, b- between us, like, you know, husband and wife, like there are now. Is that right? But they're questioning him. They're questioning him and questioning him and questioning him. But do you know why they were questioning him? You see, is Jesus the Lamb of God? And he's getting ready to, I mean, it's coming up on Passover, is that right? You all know what Passover is, right? And it's a big time in the Jewish calendar. To commemorate when the, they put the blood on the, of the lamb on the doorpost and the altar and the death angel passed over. How many remembers that? And that lamb had to be without spot or blemish, is that right? And those lambs had to be examined. And so at the same time, when these religious people are examining Jesus, at that very same time, those lambs were being examined for the Passover and the slaughter of the lambs. Isn't that something? Typology is powerful. That's why they were questioning Jesus and picking at him and and questioning him at this time. Because they were examining him. And, and, and even Pilate said, eventually, I find no fault in him. Remember that? How many of you glad they never found any fault in him? Powerful. We have, I, 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 I want to say this. I, Jesus ministered three and a half years. Is that right? In his public ministry? After he was anointed with the Holy Ghost at the Jordan? Is that right? It's interesting that... And I may have said this before, but it bears repetition that 
uh, a good minister did some research on this. And essentially, we have, in three and a half years, we have about 30 days of Jesus' ministry over that three and a half year period recorded for us in the Bible. Think about that. 30 days out of three and a half years. And of that 30 days that we have recorded, we just have snapshots from the different 30 days. Think about that. Think about everything Jesus did in his ministry. I mean, I mean, we just have a glimpse of what he did. And didn't John say, I suppose if everything had been recorded, the world itself couldn't, re- couldn't uh, contain the books. Is that right? Jesus is awesome. He's wonderful. I mean, I mean, oh man, to follow him around for one day would have probably worn all of us out. I mean, it just, it just, it was just awesome what was going on in his life and in his ministry and in his teaching and in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And he'd get up and he'd get up and he'd preach and he'd preach like a house of fire. He'd, I mean, a lot of people think Jesus was his meek little old teacher. He taught and he could teach like nobody you've ever heard teach. But there was a side of him when he'd get up and the spirit of, He said, the Spirit of God is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Glory to God. And and, and he'd get up to preaching, and they'd believe what he said, and then he'd start laying hands on them, and people would be getting healed on the left side, healed on the right, miracles, paralyzed people getting up off of of their their, their beds, and eyes popping open, and ears popping open. And and, I mean, the one guy, he, he had dropsy. I didn't even know what dropsy was. I had to go look it up. It's when your body's filled with liquid and fluid. Is that right? You're a nurse. Do you remember that? Well, that's all right. That's all right. Just sit there and look forward and keep it. And nobody will know the difference. But dry, like, like, and I mean, he and he healed him. Glory to God. One guy there with the withered hand. Remember that? And, and it was on a Sabbath day, wrong day of the week. But nonetheless, and and they were all looking to see if he was going to heal on the Sabbath. And what did Jesus say? He said, "Stretch forth thine hand." Remember that? And pow, the guy just stretches forth. His, and he can you say Amen? Glory to God. Oh, praise God. And he puts the, opens the blind eyes and unstops deaf ears and, and people that had a paralytics and, and the one guy, they lower him down through the roof. Remember that? And, and, and he heals him and, and, and they're questioning, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? He said, rise, take up your bed and walk that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And the guy gets up and walks off. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. He sees a woman bent over and, and and, says, and he says, well, this is no good. And he says, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Remember that? And, and she, she lifts up and she gets, whoo, glory to God. Hallelujah. And then he'd, stay, and he'd sit down and he'd teach. I need to be like Jesus. I need to sit down some and teach. But he'd sit. Jesus sat a lot when he taught. And he'd sit and he'd teach. And I mean, the crowds would be spellbound. They'd just hang on every word. Yeah, thank you. The reason Jesus could get people healed was because he had the power all right, but the crowds believed what he said, and they hung on every word. In Nazareth, they didn't. Remember that? And he could there do no mighty work. I believe they'd have sat and listened to Jesus as long as he was teaching. And he'd get done teaching, and the crowds would go after him because they wanted to hear more. And they'd say, no man has ever spoke like this man. Oh, man, I'd love to hear Jesus teach. But we're getting to hear him teach, aren't we? Because we got those red letters. Isn't that wonderful? 
But they say, no man has ever spoke like this one. And he'd sit and he'd teach. And then he'd get up and he'd preach like a house of fire. And then the power of God would start flowing. And then the religious people would come question him. And he'd give them an answer. He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her first. What an answer. What an answer. My goodness gracious. What an answer he gave. And it was the right answer, wasn't it? And it shut them all up. Is that right? And then he looks up and he says, Woman, where are thine accusers? And she said, They've all dropped their rocks and left, Lord. And he says, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Isn't he wonderful? How many of you love Jesus? Oh, I've fallen in love with Him all. I've fallen in love with Him over and over and over and over again. Now, if y'all could sing you to help me. Glory to God. How many of you love Jesus? Oh, what a ministry. Oh, what a Savior. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, my goodness. Glory to God. I tell you, you got Jesus words. You don't need jokes. You don't need three points in a poem. All you need to do is just sit and put your seatbelt on and listen. And then, and then the seatbelt belt won't contain you anymore because you just blast off. Glory to God. He's a healer. He's a preacher. He's a teacher. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Glory to God. All manner and all of sickness and disease among the people. Glory to God. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he'll put a skip in your step and a glide in your stride. Glory to God. I'm excited. Whew, glory to God. Come on, let's, let's finish. I, five minutes. I'll give you his last public discourse. You ready for this? Come on, Matthew 23. And then we'll, we'll go and pick up next week. Matthew 23, 1. This is the last public message that Jesus gave. Public message. Matthew 23, 1. He spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples. He said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you, observe. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do... But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. What did he just say? He said, they're telling you some right things, but they're not practicing what they preach. Is that what he just said? They bind heavy burdens. Jesus' burden isn't heavy, it's light. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. (coughs) They bind heavy burdens hard to bear. And lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves would not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They love the best places at feasts. The best seats in the synagogues. Verse (coughs) 7. Greetings in the marketplaces. And to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. They like titles. They like to sit in the best seats and so on. Jesus said, take the low place, didn't he? Another, another place. Scripture, verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Were these people keeping folks from getting saved and going into heaven? Oh, yeah, you got to watch religious, religiosity. You need to be careful who you're listening to. 
For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow, or do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisee, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. These are boo on these guys. And for a pretense, make long prayers. You know you don't have to pray long prayers to have Jesus hear you. Therefore, he will receive, they, they, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, one convert. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. He didn't have much good to say about these folks, did he? Look at verse 23. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. For the sake of time, I just can't cover everything. You need to go back and read everything. But look at this. He said, you, Jesus said, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Is it important to be a tither? Yeah, but are there weightier things and more important things than tithing? And what would they be? Justice, mercy, and faith. You need to, you need to be a tither, but there's more important justice, mercy, and faith. 24. Blind guides... Strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. That's what these religious people would do. They would they would put uh, like a like a uh, uh, like a nylon stocking, if you will, on their over their water containers, and they so that they wouldn't accidentally swallow a gnat. They would do that. But then he said, "You strain out a gnat, but you'd swallow a camel." Did you get what he's trying to say there? That's what religious people will do. When I say religious, you know what I'm talking about. Religiosity. Because there is a true religion. True religion take care of the widows and the orphans. Is that right? But these people were, they were nitpicked. Have you ever met a nitpicker? Nitpick, 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 nitpick. And they, they themselves couldn't see the forest for the trees. Is that right? What do you scribes, hypocrites, you... He just, my goodness. Look at verse 20, 25. Well, verse 24, they, they'd, they'd strain out that, they'd swallow camel. Woe to you, scribes, for hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of extortion, self-indulgence. Self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside... Uh, may be clean also. Verse 27. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which, need a, which, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but indeed are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside are full of hypocrisy and lewdness. Then verse 33, he calls them serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? He didn't have anything good to say, did he? Now let's close in Mark 12, verse 41. We'll close here. Last thing Jesus does, he gives that warning about the, and he does that publicly. And he warns people, and then he does this, and we'll close. Mark 12, verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Is Jesus watching the offering basket? Is he watching what you do or don't put in? I heard a minister say this the other day. It was really good. Let's see if I can remember it. He said, God will never ask you for something that you don't have. But he'll ask you for something that you want to keep. 
Why does he do that? To see if you love that thing more than you love him. Did you know that most Christians love their things more than they love Jesus? He sits opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money in the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites. That was, that was less than half a penny. Which make a quadrant. Right? So he calls his disciples. See, he finishes ministering to the crowds. He makes those statements about the religious people. He calls his disciples to himself and said, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who had given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. I want to serve a God like that. I don't want to serve somebody that's going to hobnob with the rich people and leave the poor people sit out in the cold. Jesus had the right motives and the right perspective, didn't he? He was not impressed with the rich and all the things that they gave because really they were probably just putting in a pittance of what they should have been putting in. But this lady put in all that she had. Don't ever forget this. God does not look at amounts. He looks at percents. That way everybody can be on the same playing field. Is that right? So a million, somebody gets a million dollars, they put in a hundred thousand. Somebody gets ten, put in one. According to God, they both did exactly the same thing. I want to serve a God like that. How about you? Stand with me if you would. Praise God. Did you get anything out of this today? I trust you did. Hallelujah. Praise God. Went a little bit long, but that's okay. I believe we, we got what God wanted. I'm excited about Jesus. I really am. I, I'm excited about him. I, I've fallen just more in love with him with every day that goes by. And I'm in love with his word. I've always loved, loved him and loved his word. But just loving him more and more and more. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Well, if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus, 